0: Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service which is already underway and listen to the message. If you have your Bibles tonight, I am going to spend quite a bit of time in the Bible. Go figure. But If you have your Bibles, if you have a notebook or have something you're going to write with, I I would encourage you to uh, jot down some notes tonight and uh, follow along with me in your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Our final series for Growth University in 2019 is going to be a series called The Pursuit of Holiness. The Pursuit of Holiness. There was a perfect man who met a perfect woman. After a perfect courtship, they had a perfect wedding. Their life together was, of course, perfect. One snowy, stormy Christmas Eve, this perfect couple was driving along a winding road when they noticed someone at the roadside in distress. Being the perfect couple, they stopped To help. There stood Santa Claus with a huge bundle of toys. Not wanting to disappoint any children on the eve of Christmas, the perfect couple loaded Santa and his toys into their vehicle, and soon they were driving along delivering the toys. Unfortunately, the driving conditions deteriorated, and the perfect couple and Santa Claus had an accident. Only one of them survived the accident. Who was the survivor? The perfect woman. She's the only one that really existed in the first place. (laughs) Everyone knows there is no Santa Claus and there is no such thing as a perfect man. Here's what we know, though, if there is no perfect man and no Santa Claus, the perfect woman must have been driving. This explains why there was a car accident. <laughs> You're welcome. Believe it or not, we as Christians are called to be perfect. Kind of challenging thought, isn't it? Ephesians chapter four verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ being the perfect one. Christ being the flawless one. We are called to be a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And when we say we are in pursuit of holiness... It is a quest for perfection, or might I add maturity? Ephesians chapter four, we took this verse to be a perfect man. Ephesians chapter four, eleven tells us, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why do we gather for uh, meetings like this where we hear the word of God? Because we're seeking to be a perfect person, a more mature, complete Person, that we should what what does he say? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head of head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are called to this pursuit of perfection, this pursuit of completeness, this pursuit of maturity. I, I would argue that we would do Christ a disservice to be saved from our sins and continue living the way we were before we were saved. We are called to a maturity, to be in the stature of Christ, to be in the likeness of Christ, to put on the what, mind of Christ. When we mention the word holiness... It can generate a mixed bag of feelings. For some of us, it is a sense of joy and freedom from a past that we would rather forget. For others, it is a term that has left a bad taste in our mouth because of the seemingly unnecessary rules and regulations imposed by a church or a pastor under the banner of holiness. holiness is one of those words, especially in our circle, that can be misunderstood and even misapplied. I'm not sure your, of your perspective of the term holiness. But what I do know is the word holiness is in the Bible. And it is ref, referenced throughout the Bible... And actually, often. Specifically, the Bible calls holiness beautiful. Four times we are invited to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And we are invited to live a holy life. So I'm not going to live my Christian life nor am I going to pastor this church and attempt to ignore such a specific and repeated emphasis in Scripture simply because it might be difficult or it might be uncomfortable or sometimes misunderstood or even misguided in its presentation. We are called to holiness. We are called to live a holy life. And this series is designed to help us be everything God wants us to be and to be comfortable with the idea of holiness in our lives. This series is not intended to equip you to judge others. I told this pastoral staff the other day, I love judging people. It's great. It's easy to do. It needed judges for Bible quizzers. And I said, I'll be a judge. I love to judge people. Judging is easy. And as we get into the idea and concept of holiness, it's so quick to start to judge other people. And this series is not intended to equip you with a tool to judge people. Nor is it intended to help you justify your unwillingness to conform to the Word of God. I'm not going to equip you to have a loophole to ignore what Scripture actually says. And so it's one of those subjects that can be challenging. I don't anticipate tonight or at any point during this series anybody taking off running. Because the call to holiness is challenging for everybody, whether you're brand new with your walk with God or you're a seasoned Christian. The call to holiness is an invitation to all to be perfect, to be complete in Christ. And so we're all in different stages, different Uh, uh, areas and and different uh, places on the spectrum of completeness with God. But I hope you feel empowered by this series to live a holy life, to realize the power of holiness. These lessons are intended to help us be perfected and matured by the Word of God. So that we can be everything individually we're called to be and everything we are collectively called to be. Now, I I don't know, maybe my introduction is is scary to some and maybe I've lost a little bit of the crowd for next week and the weeks to come. But I hope you'll stick around for the whole series because I think the Lord is going to help us. Because this series really is for the church. I'm not, I I know I'm on live Facebook right now or whatever, YouTube, but I'm not preaching to an audience of unbelievers tonight. This series is not a teaching series where we're trying to get uh, uh, people to conform to something. This is for the church to evaluate, people who are believers, to evaluate this call to holiness. Because really, we're the church, right? The called out ones. Those who are followers of Christ are seeking, hopefully, to grow and mature. We talk about it in assimilation. We talk about the idea of fruit, that there's uh, some people who produce 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Depending on your maturity, a tree will sometimes produce more fruit as it matures. If it's pruned, if if it's grown in a certain way, it can produce more. That's the idea. Peter said, "We are to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." 2 Peter 3:18. Hebrews chapter 5:13 says, "For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. We're called to grow in our faith. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. It's the sense of maturity that hopefully you as a Christian are seeking to mature. So what does the word holy mean? At its root, it simply means to be separate, to be set apart, to be sacred. The first thing I want to help us understand about holiness, is holiness has one source. Holiness has one source, and that is God. That's my objective tonight, is for you to understand the source of holiness. Because I believe if you can understand the source of holiness it makes it a lot easier to strive to live a holy life because you realize how far God has brought you and how far God reached for you. And so our pursuit of holiness begins with our understanding that God is holy Now, I'm going to get into some rapid-fire scripture here tonight, so I hope you can stay with me. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 31. 2 Samuel 22, verse 31. As for God, his way is what? Perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Holiness begins with that understanding that God is, is the source of perfection. God is the source of holiness. God is the source of all things that are perfect. It says the word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all those who trust in him. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13. Therefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and rest your hope fully. Everyone say fully. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you understand who Jesus Christ is and what he did for us Hopefully, it allows us, it gives us the power to live a sober life. As obedient children, what? Not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he called you, who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. That's what we stand on tonight. This whole series stands on the idea that God is holy. And if you're attempting to live holy outside of a relationship and understanding of a holy God, your effort is worthless. You have to stand on the idea that God is holy. That's my only hope to have an attempt at being holy or perfected in Christ holiness comes from God because God is holy. God is separate. God is set apart. God is not like us. Revelation chapter, Revelation chapter 4 verse 8 tells us, at the end of time, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He will be holy, he will be holy, he will be holy. He was holy then, he is holy, he will be holy later in time. He's holy, he's holy, he's holy. Revelation chapter 15, verse 3, it says, They're going to sing a song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. He alone is holy. It would be in Isaiah when the king Uzziah died. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the, the angels, what did they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy. He's separate. He's sacred. He's set apart from anything that we are. And that's such a powerful thing for us to understand that God is not like us. God is set apart from us, from humanity. God is set apart. And so I want to offer three characteristics of God's holiness. If God is holy and God is separate, what sets God apart from humanity? What sets God apart from humanity? The first is God's sovereignty. The first thing that sets God apart from us is his sovereignty. Now, there's a lot to it, and uh, I don't think I'm able to cover all of it. But when you realize that God is sovereign, he is one who stands alone. There's no one that stands beside him. When Moses was tasked with leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, God told Moses, here is what you need to understand. If you're going to bring these people out of Egypt, here's what you've got to tell them. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. One of the greatest revelations you and I can have is that God is God. Paul Mooney, pastor in in, uh, Indianapolis there, a great pastor, the Wildmans uh, sat under him for many, many years. He would always say, God is God and I am not. That's a great revelation for you to understand that God is sovereign. He is a law unto himself. Hallelujah. And because God is sovereign, it means that he alone rules. All authority, all kingdoms, all dominions are under his feet. And he would give us this clear picture of authority when God established a people for his name called the children of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt and he gave them what? A law. He said, I'm going to give you a law. I'm going to put A law on top of you because I am the sovereign God. And so they created, they had the law and that law allowed them to understand the holiness of God, the separateness of God, the sacredness of God. And he said, I'm going to give you this law. Why? Because I'm holy. I'm holy. And so he is sovereign. He is God as the Song says, All by himself. And there's many scriptures that point to that fact, but tonight I submit Isaiah chapter 44. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. God is sovereign we realize that he is different for us, from us because he is sovereign. It was God who would push back on Job who began to to complain about what was going on and and God said to Job out of the whirlwind he said who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge. Now prepare yourself like a man i will question you and you shall answer me and then he makes these powerful statements. I I just we, i I put myself in Job's shoes a lot, but this would be a really difficult conversation. God saying, where were you? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you? Tell me if you have understanding of that. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors? When I said, this far you may come, but no Further and here your proud waves must stop. Where were you, Job? God is sovereign. He wants us to understand that He is sovereign. He created this world in His sovereignty, in His ability to create. He created when the ocean stops, when the earth begins, when the mountains were formed. He was the one who decided the length and the breadth. He decided it. And then in verse 40, it says, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. When it's all said and done, Job, God remained God, and Job remained a man. God is holy because God is sovereign. He needs no one. He is the creator of all things, the source of all things. And so the writer of Revelation, John, would say, but I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon or to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamp is its light. And the nations of those who saved are saved shall walk in its light and the king of the earth bring their glory and honor in it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be no means. They, sh- there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the lamb's book of life. He is sovereign. Have you experienced the sovereignty of God? I believe you have in Jesus Christ. Have you ever had to trust the sovereignty of God when you didn't quite understand like Job, when things didn't quite work out exactly as you thought they would work out? At the end of the day, we realize that he is holy. He is sovereign. The second characteristic of God's holiness is God is faithful. God is holy and separate from us because God, by his very nature, is faithful. He is true to his word. He cannot lie. That's how he's different than man. He is true to his word. He is faithful. Titus said... In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God cannot lie. And this is why I believe the judgment of God had to come. And has to come. Because God is true to his word. What he spoke to Adam and Eve, he must fulfill. Sin causes death. That was his word. He is faithful to his word. But Jesus came as what? The word of God made flesh, the mediator between God and man, the mercy of God to humanity, the propitiation, the go-between for what God's judgment says and what God's love wants to prevail. Jesus Christ stood in the middle of that and said, I'll become the word of God and stand in the gap for the judgment that God has promised on humanity. And you and I have the opportunity to experience not just the judgment of God, but we can experience the mercy of God because God is faithful to his word. The faithfulness of God is measured by his willingness to keep his word. God is faithful. So he would say his word does not come back void. He's faithful. So his word stands forever. He's faithful. So his word does not fall to the ground, but it accomplished what it's sent to do. He, he is faithful. And so his promises are yea and amen. He is faithful, and so we realize that the righteous aren't forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. He's faithful, so he keeps his covenant of love to a thousand generations. I'm thankful today that God is faithful. What does it mean that God doesn't change? Malachi chapter 3, 6 says, For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. What does that mean? That God, who is able, He is willing to forgive us our sins by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He's willing to forgive those sins. And so I can have Uh, a mercy that endures forever. Why? Because his word does not fail. He is faithful. God is not like men who lie. God is not like men who are dishonest. God is not like men who change with some relationship issue and they decide, oh, no, I've changed my mind. No, God is a keeper of his word. And so we can say that God is holy. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Have you ever experienced the faithfulness of God? God keeps his Word. I'm thankful for the faithfulness of God. God is holy because God is sovereign, and God is holy because God is faithful. And the final characteristic of God's holiness is simply love. God is holy and separate from us because God is love. God doesn't just love sometimes. He doesn't just love when it's reciprocated, but God is the source of all love. God is love, John said, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Mercy is possible because of God's love towards us. Grace is possible because of God's love. Forgiveness and long-suffering, all of that is possible because of this attribute of Love that demonstrates his holiness. It demonstrates his separateness from us. I think we have to be honest on the concept of love, that it's in our human nature, in our flesh, we don't do well with the concept of love. But God is love because at the root of love, It's all about others. It's all about others and not ourselves. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us that's what's that's what makes him holy because his love is not a human love it's not a just a reciprocated love but while we were sinners while we were distant from him he chose to walk to the cross he's a holy God. He's not like us. Paul would tell the Corinthian church the power of a Christ-like love. He would say love, real love, Christ's love, suffers long. Christ's love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it's not provoked, it thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. That's how God is holy, it's because He's sovereign. He's sovereign in our life. He is able to take circumstances in our life. And he is able to make them how he needs them to be. And so I trust the sovereignty of God. I trust the faithfulness of God that if he said it in his word, then he will perform it. He will do it. And I trust the love of God. I love all of you. I like most of you. No, I like all of you. But I can't say that I trust your love like I trust God's love. We've all had people who we thought loved us, that disappointed us and walked away from us or said things about us just because a little thing went wrong or something didn't quite go right. But God, God is holy. God stands apart from humanity because he chooses to love us in spite of ourselves. He is long-suffering. He is kind. He is willing to walk the road with us. That's the kind of love that we have in a holy God. Love never fails. And if you have never experienced that love, I encourage you to experience the, the unflinching, unwavering love of God. God is holy because God is sovereign, because God is faithful, and because God is love. That's what sets him apart from us. Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. I would propose that's the sovereignty of God. He chooses the way. There's not multiple ways to God according to Scripture. Jesus is the way. He is the sovereign one. He has authority over all principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in this world. Jesus was the sovereign one. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am faithful, what I say is what will happen. You can count on me for truth, for the solidity of God's word, the the ability to stand on the rock of what I say, it is truth, and I am life. Life. When sin calls out death and sin leads me to death, he said, I've got love that leads to life and life everlasting and abundant life. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And so as we pursue holiness, as we seek to be who God has called us to be, we cannot, the starting line is not some assimilation course. The starting line is not a Bible study. The starting line is not a checklist of rules and regulations or even standards we might present as what we would like to see. The starting line is the idea that there is a holy God that stands alone from all of us, that is not like us. Thank God he is not like us. And that's where we start our pursuit on the highway to holiness with a God who is sovereign, a God who is faithful, and a God who loves us unconditionally. I thank God that he is holy. I thank God that he is not like us. And I thank God for his love and grace in our lives. I want to pray in this moment before we go into act time. I just feel to pray for us tonight. We have such a a great church, a powerful church. And I believe that God is just growing us for what he's calling us to in this city and around the world. And I I wonder if tonight you would acknowledge a holy God. You would just worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Worship him in the beauty of who he is and how powerful he is and how mighty he is and how far he came to love us. I wonder if you would do that tonight. You can stay seated. Lord, we thank you, God, for your holiness. We thank you, God, for the power that you have given us through your holiness. God, I thank you for your sovereignty. I thank you that I can know, Lord, that at the end of the day, you do all things well that when I don't understand, when I'm maybe like Job and facing something that I I don't understand, it doesn't make sense to me. Lord, I just rest in the idea that you are sovereign tonight. I rest in the idea that you know what's best. I rest in the idea that you are the alpha and that you are the omega. You are the beginning and you are the end. I thank you for your sovereignty tonight and I thank you tonight for your faithfulness, God, that you are a faithful God. You are a keeper of your word. You do not lie. There is no falsehood in you, Lord. But Lord, we, God, surrender to your faithfulness tonight. We stand on your faithfulness, the faithfulness of your word tonight. Lord, I thank you, God, that we can rely on your word, that it will make a difference in our life. It will make a difference in our families. Lord, I thank you for your incredible love, your love that I don't deserve, your love, God, that has been given to me. God, without any Anything in return from me, I thank you for your love. I thank you, God, that you have brought this love into our lives through Jesus Christ. I thank you, O God, for your power, your work through the cross, Lord, to show us a mercy that endures forever. I thank you, Jesus, for your holiness. I thank you, God, that you are set apart, that you are not like us. Lord, we worship you in the beauty of holiness tonight. We worship you because you stand alone tonight. Oh, hallelujah. 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 You're mighty in this place. You're mighty to save God. You're mighty, oh God. You're mighty, oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 I'm going to give you about three or four minutes and we're going to do an app time tonight. And uh, I want you to answer this question, which characteristic of God's holiness are you most thankful for and why? Which characteristic of God's holiness are you most thankful for and why? Maybe tell of a time when you experienced that characteristic of God's holiness. Which characteristic of God's holiness are you most thankful for and why? All right, so we're going to go into our at time and then we'll dismiss in just a moment. Amen, why don't you stand? We were talking up here and Ben just mentioned the the idea of faithfulness, that, that that stands out to him in his own life, that when he walked away from God, when he stopped serving God, when he came back, God was the same. God hadn't changed on him. God hadn't moved the stick. It was still repentance. It was still surrendering your heart to God. But he could feel that same love. He could experience the same faithfulness of God. And I hope that you have experienced the holiness of God. I hope you've experienced the holiness of God. God's separateness from us. I hope you've experienced it and you can tell That God is not like us. I conclude tonight with Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. God said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is holy. When you step out tonight, we've canceled the after dark guarantee. You're going to go out into darkness tonight. And if you happen to see stars under the sky or out in the sky, as far as that star is, God is that much holier than us. (laughs) But he's chosen to bring that holiness to earth. So we pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy is your name. Thy kingdom, your sovereignty, come to earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's holiness wants to be present here on earth, and it's present, his holiness is meant to be present through the body of Christ. Amen. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for inviting us to a life of holiness. Not, Lord, to a life of rules and regulations, but to a life, God, where we can experience your sovereignty. We can experience your faithfulness and we can experience your love and we can share that with the world. Lord, I'm praying that you would call us to pursue holiness like never before, to pursue your work among us like never before. I thank you, O God, for your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness to us, Lord. We're praying that we would come to be a perfect man, a person who is complete and mature in you in the name of Jesus. Everyone said amen. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.